scripture reading is from Matthew 5, 1 to 12. It's the introduction to the Sermon of the Mount. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of their righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. As John said, Matthew 5 is part of the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7. Uh, This part is called the Beatitudes, uh, the blessings that Jesus says we have with certain characteristics and some of the promises that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, The sermon is also recorded in Luke. Uh, Here it's the Sermon on the Mount in Luke. It's called the Sermon on the Plain, and uh, it is shorter and a little different. I think it's... uh, just uh, different, uh, the same kind of teachings which he gave on two different occasions. And he probably spoke this sermon many, many times as he traveled and told people about the coming kingdom of God. This is uh, key to Jesus and his morality and key to the kingdom. And uh, the reason why we are looking at this today is just so I can refresh in your mind what Jesus is calling us to, uh, what kind of characteristics should be true of our life, what it means to obey Jesus, and uh, what we should be doing, how we should be thinking, and the attitudes that we should have. Uh, Verses 1 through 16 of Matthew chapter 5 are principles of the kingdom. And chapter 5, verses 17 through chapter 7, verse 12, are practices of the kingdom, as Jesus tells, tells us more specifically how we should act. And then finally, verses 13 through 29 of chapter 7, and uh, that's a misprint on the screen, which I typed in wrong. Chapter 7, verses 13 through 29 are the priorities of the kingdom, or it's the invitation Jesus gives to his sermon. And uh, I have modeled my invitations after Jesus' invitation in Matthew chapter 7. And so if you wonder, why does David give an invitation like that? It's because I'm trying to give you the same kind of invitation that Jesus gave. And here's the invitation that he gives. Enter the narrow gate or go through the broad one. Do works of righteousness, or don't do them. Or build your house on the rock, or build your house on the sand. And he's talking about his sermon. Build your house on my word and my teaching, or build your house 
on sand. And a beautiful invitation. And he just lays it out. You do this or you do that. It's one or the other. Uh, Before I say something about, uh, before we get into this, when when I was a kid, I was a dispensationalist. If you don't know what that is, good. You don't, you don't need to know. <laughs> I was a dispensationalist. That's what I was taught. And uh, extreme dispensationalists would come to the Gospels and they would say, the Gospels are not for the church. They're for Old Testament Jews. They're not for Christians. And so they would come to the Sermon on the Mount and they would say the Sermon on the Mount is the constitution for the kingdom. But we're not the kingdom. This is what's going to happen. This is the constitution for when Jesus returns. Now, that was terrible theology. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) And it was wrong. Jesus gives this sermon because this is what he wants people to do when he's preaching it. And this is what he wants us to do today. This is for us. Right? In fact, in in the early church, they mostly read the Gospels and they mostly copied the Gospels. Uh, There was a time when I was a child, we hardly ever preached to the Gospels. We always preached the Epistles. Uh, that was different for the early church. They, they spent a lot of time in Matthew. In fact, they loved the Gospel of Matthew. That was the favorite for a long time in the early church. Uh, they, they loved this book. So I, I want you to think today that this is not for uh, just the people that were listening to Jesus, and it's not for some future time. This is for followers of Jesus today. This is what he expects from us today right now. One other, one other introduction. I often read this passage at funerals. It's one of my favorite passage, passages to read at funerals uh, for a number of reasons. Because number one, I believe that everyone who is a Christian, you sh- you'll be able to find these things in their life. So as we stand there beside a coffin and we read this, we should be able to say, yes, this person was poor in spirit. And yes, this person was merciful. And yes, this person hungered and thirsted for righteousness. All of these things that Jesus wanted to see in us. Yes, they're here. But the best part is the promises that Jesus gives. Notice these promises. They're huge. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They will be comforted. They will inherit the earth. They will be filled. They will be shown mercy. They will see God. They will be called sons of God, and theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Great is their reward in heaven. Beautiful promises. Well, when Jesus says blessed, if you go to the next screen there, Lynn, if you go to the next screen, when Jesus says blessed, it can mean a number of things, and I think all of these things are included. It means to be happy. So Jesus is saying happy Happy is the poor. Happy are the poor in spirit, or fortunate are the poor in spirit, or this is divine favor. Jesus is saying this is this person's in a wonderful spot. This is as good as it gets. This is what life is all about. 
This is the person who's in good shape. And what Jesus says is actually quite striking and jarring. Because if I were to talk about who was blessed in our society, I think if the world was to talk about it, if the world was to talk about who are the happy ones, who are in the best places, this is what they'd say. These are the Beatitudes for for 20th century, 21st century Canadians. We would say, Blessed are the beautiful, the pretty, and the handsome, for everyone likes to look at you. They want to be with you, and they want to be you. We would say, Blessed are the rich, and the people with good pensions, and large inheritances, for life is easy for them, and they can have anything they want. Blessed are the famous. It's funny, millennials want to be famous. It's one of the key things that millennials want to be. That's even more important than being rich. They want to be famous. Blessed are the famous, for they are the people everyone talks about. Or we would say this, blessed are the Americans or the Canadians or the Western Europeans, for they live peaceful and prosperous lives. Or today we would say this, blessed are the smart people and the geeks for they can can earn PhDs, invent all kinds of neat things and run the world. Or we would say this, blessed are the healthy and the physically strong for they don't have to take medicine or wait for long periods of time in doctor's waiting rooms. Or we would say blessed are the confident and people sure of themselves, for they don't have to take it from anybody. And you could add to that list. Now that I'm 54, I would say blessed are the young. (laughs) Life is so good when you're young, I would say. And Jesus shatters all of this with his first one, when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. In Luke, he doesn't even add the in-spirit part. In Luke, he says, blessed are the poor. Nobody says that today. Blessed are the poor in spirit, or blessed are the poor. saw in the news just the other day that in Canada, one-third of the country makes less than $20,000 a year. One-third of all tax returns is less than 20000 Eight million Canadians. One-third of Canadians, between 20 and 50, and one-third over 50. I don't know if you're judging where you're at in there, (laughs) which third you're in. Automatically, we would think, hey, the best category is the one that's over 50. But Jesus says, blessed are the poor, or blessed are the poor in spirit. He could have said this. He could have said, blessed are the slaves. Nobody would accept that. This is radical stuff. Well, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Let me give you one idea. The extremely poor have an accompanying lack of self-confidence. It's almost natural. After all, they don't know about a lot of things. They don't know what it is to have to decide what pair of shoes to wear in the morning. They only have one pair, and they're lucky to have that, and sometimes those are used, and they only have one shirt. They have little education. They don't even have jobs. They're barely making it, and with that comes a poverty of spirit. Whereas today, we like, to, we like the person who is confident in spirit, 
full of self-confidence, knowing that they can do whatever they want to do and able to accomplish anything. Got the world by the tail. Well, what's so blessed about being poor and poor in spirit? Well, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' day, the religious establishment was not poor in spirit. They thought they had it all together. The Greek culture was not poor in spirit. They had philosophy and good thinking, and they were proud of it. The Romans were not poor in spirit. They had wealth and power. They all thought of themselves as better than everyone else. In contrast, you have the Apostle Paul. Not when he was Saul. When he was Saul, he was confident and zealous, angry and righteous and assured of himself. But then he met Jesus and considered himself to be the chief of sinners. That's poverty of spirit. The song that we sang earlier, When the Saints Go Marching In, is an old Negro spiritual. The spirituals arose from African Americans, Negroes, working out in the field back-breaking work and while they would work the only hope they had they would begin to sing and one person would start singing over there and another person would pick it up on the other side of the field and soon enough a lot of it the a lot of them in the field would all be singing the same song simple words but most of the words were about how wonderful it was going to be in the future you see they were crushed in spirit but they were looking for a better day. And so they sang songs about when the saints go marching in. I want to be in that number. Or songs like this. I looked over Jordan. What did I see coming for to carry me home? A band of angels coming for me. Coming for to carry me home. Or them bones. Right? Remember the head bones connected to the neck bone? That old spiritual them bones, them bones going to rise again. Them bones, them bones going to rise again. So hear the word of the Lord. There's a wonderful time coming. Yes, they were in a poor place and they had poverty of spirit, but they were looking for that better day when Jesus Christ would reign. I think Jesus would say this today. He would say, blessed are the immigrants. And blessed are the refugees, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the people displaced by war and without homes, because they will have homes in heaven. Blessed are those who want to live righteous lives, because they will find fulfillment. If you go to the next screen there, Lynn. Um, this woman, Mavis Wanzik just won the largest lottery prize in U.S. history. She's standing beside the check. That's why she's smiling. $758 million. $758 million and 700000 Now, she took it all in one lump sum, so I think I've got the number down here. She only gets $480 million. Unfortunately, out of that, she has to pay taxes, so she only has $336 million coming. Um, She's actually, she, she says she's quite happy. <laughs> she's quite happy. She bought five lottery tickets and she won. She used to work at a hospital. I say she used to because the first phone call she made was to the hospital telling them she would not be back ever again. And uh, I, I think if we were to say 
who is happy today or who is blessed today, we would say, she is, she's happy today. She's blessed today. And you know something? I, I think she is happy today. But the problem is it's, that's happiness and blessing that is very short-lived. In fact, they already say that she has problems. She, uh, first of all, they said the mistake that she has made is that she, uh, everyone knows where she lives and they know her phone number. When you, when you, when you lit, win a lottery of this size, you're supposed to move two towns over and stay in a hotel. And so the police are actually parked outside in her front, in her front lawn because they're scared for her. If you go to the next screen, uh, this happened last night. And uh, Floyd Mayweather on the left won in the 10th round. And Floyd Mayweather made $100 million just off the fight. And so they calculated that he made $3 million a minute. And Conor McGregor lost, and uh, he only made $30 million. Uh, so he only made a million dollars a minute. And uh, you would say, hey, those guys are both blessed and happy. It's kind of sad, actually, to see both of their lives. Uh, Floyd Mayweather not living a godly life at all, even though there is some of that heritage there. He owns a strip club, and that, that's where he was going to party after the win, and uh, both of them proud and uh, full of themselves and full of life. Today, we would say they're both blessed and they're happy. Uh, also, very short-lived. If you go to the next screen, this man is uh, Korean and a pastor from Toronto, and he was imprisoned in Korea and uh, imprisoned for speaking out against the government. At least that's with, that was the charge the North Koreans uh, uh, brought against him. He's in prison for two years. And in prison, he was the only person in the prison. Uh, solitary confinement. And every day they made him go out and dig. And uh, the ground was so hard it would take him two days to dig the hole. And then he had to fill the hole back in, and then they would start a new hole in two days. Uh, after a year, his body was broken and beaten up from the treatment. He's hospitalized, and he got better. When he got better, back to the prison, back to digging holes. Back to the hospital, back to the prison, back to digging holes, back to the hospital. For two years, uh, this man did it. He said, the mud was so hard it took two days to dig one hole. It was incredibly challenging. My upper body was sweating and my fingers and toes were frostbitten. Uh, four, four times he was hospitalized, one time for two months. Uh, he felt lonely, sometimes hopeless during his imprisonment. It was difficult to see when and how the entire ordeal would end. Um, well, Canadian officials worked to get his release. And I think if we, if we had talked about uh, Mr. Lim's ordeal, we would not have said he is blessed. We would have said that's terrible. Jesus would have said he's blessed. Uh, Mr. Lim got back, and uh, this past week he was at Light Korean Presbyterian Church in Mississauga, greeted by a cheering crowd. Some reached out and embraced him. He spoke to the church, talked about what he had done, 
He said, you can see I've had a haircut. He joked about how he's now an expert on North Korea, explaining he had read a hundred books on the country of North Korea while in prison. He read through his Bible in English and Korean five times and memorized 700 verses. And the church passed out sheet music of a hymn that he had written while he was there in prison. And the hymn's title is Forever, Forever Hold Steadfast, a song about faith. He says it's a miracle for me to be here today. And Jesus would say in his Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy when you get to be persecuted for righteousness. Or blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice, Jesus says, and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What a contrast between a woman who wins a lottery, two boxers who have made uh, more money in one fight than you can hardly believe, and a man who has spent two years in prison, and yet Jesus would look at these four lives and he would say to the pastor, you are blessed. You are blessed. Not these others. You are blessed. You're in the best position. It's hard for us to believe what Jesus is saying. Isn't it? It's hard to believe that. (laughs) But it's true. It's true because there is an eternal reality. And what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? You have everything this world has to offer. But you lose your own soul. There's no profit to it. A number of years ago, we'd been in Sarnia a few years, and I heard a rumor come back to me. And somebody was saying something about me and something, something about Joanne. And uh, I heard it, and I phoned Joanne up, and I said, great news. Somebody's saying bad stuff about us. <laughs> I was thinking of this passage. <laughs> I'm going, that's great. Say the bad stuff. Jesus says, I'm now in a good position. (laughs) Right? That's what it says. Blessed are you when people insult you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Now you're in a good spot. How many of you love to be insulted? (laughs) Esther says she likes it. You're in a good spot. Absolutely. That's what Jesus is saying. We, and, and we just, it's hard to believe this. This is foundational to following Jesus Christ. All of these things are foundational to following Jesus. Having the right attitudes. Now, I think I'm out of time. But notice some of these other ones. Uh, well, let me just pick on verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know something? In this world, we hunger and thirst for a lot of things. We want to be entertained. We want to have money. We want to have freedom. We want, to, we want to travel. Like you can go on down the list. All the things we want to do. Not high on the list is righteousness. <laughs> right? I think if you... How many of you have a bucket list? Nobody has a bucket list? Rosemary has a bucket list. Peter's got a bucket list. 
I know my wife Joanne had a bucket list, and, and, and there was one thing left on the bucket list was to go to San Francisco. We did it last year. So now she can kick the bucket because <laughs> the bucket list is finished. Now, you've got to put some more things on the list. But when you make up a bucket list, what do I want to accomplish in life and what do I want to do? Righteousness has got to be there. It's got to be at the top. Right? I want to live a righteous life. I want to live a life pleasing to God. I want to do the right things in my life. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. And Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, you're not going to see heaven. Righteousness has got to be right up there. It's hunger and thirst for righteousness. Um, this is meant to encourage you. Uh, Jesus calls us to follow him, and here he gives us characteristics different than what the world esteems or values. And our values and what the attitude should be in our life should mimic the ones that Jesus is asking of us. He says mourning and ha having all kinds of problems in your life and being hammered down by life, that, that's not terrible. You're now in a good spot. You can put your hands out and grab hold of God and put your trust in Jesus Christ. You're in a good place. Let Him reward you. Let Him fill your life. Uh, this morning, are you following Jesus Christ? Are you looking at these and saying, you know something, these do not resonate with me at all? They should. This is what, this is what kingdom living is about. This is, this is, these are the people who will be in heaven. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. What happens if you're not pure in heart? You won't see Him, right? Think about it. The pure in heart will see God. The heart that is wicked, the heart that is double-minded, that's not going to see God. This is what it means to follow Jesus, to take His words at face value, to believe them, to practice them in our lives.